many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, that is, Sea of Galilee, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, well, okay, we'll go along with you. So they went forth, entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any meat? Have you caught anything? And they said, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God has never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. I thank you for being with us on this special Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. We conclude the biblical passion of Christ with the resurrection and appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great and chief shepherd of his people. In this chapter, the Apostle John writes that this is the third time Jesus has appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. And please note that here in chapter 21, there are only seven of the 11 disciples present. They are no longer in Jerusalem, but have now traveled a hundred miles north to a shore on the Sea of Galilee. The disciples have now gone back to fishing to their old business. Well, the focus in this additional chapter is the Lord Jesus, Peter, and John. And Jesus has an individual purpose for each of them. And you know, Jesus has a distinct purpose for each of us, his followers, both you and me. Well, here is Dr. Mitchell. John chapter 21, verse 1. Good day, friends. We come to you today uh, to the, in our studies in the Gospel through John, and we're just about the end of the book. My, may I just say here, before I go into the message, it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience for me to spend this time with you in seeking to find out the revelation of God in his beloved Son, to you and to me. He is indeed God manifest in the flesh, and the marvelous revelation of the Father to our hearts, your heart and my heart. How glad I am that God is just like Jesus. When I think of his love and his compassion, his tenderness, 
his understanding, his patience. Oh, I'm so happy that the Lord is just like that. He knows my frame, I'm just dust. In our last lesson, we were dealing with Thomas, and the Lord even took the very doubts of Thomas. Thomas men business. Uh, Thomas wasn't going to be fooled. Thomas wanted to be sure. And he laid down, as I said, his incredulity, his unbelief, dictated the terms whereby he would believe in Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Unless he could see him, put his fingers in the holes of his hand, his hands to the holes of his side, he would not believe. Now, I tell you, my friend, Say what you want to, but Thomas had a real, real love for the Savior. Do you? Do you? Or are you in a position where you demand terms of God before you'll believe? Unbelief demands terms. And if you mean business, God will meet you. God will meet you. If you mean business. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. He's long-suffering to us when he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's desire that all men should be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now we come to the last two verses of chapter 20. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that believing you might have life through his name. Now in this 20th chapter, we have seen the Lord appearing out of Mary Magdalene unto the disciples twice, once without Thomas. The second time they were all there plus Thomas. And as I said in our last message and our last lesson, I'll guarantee that Thomas never missed another meeting. Oh, I wish I could press upon your heart the tremendous need these days, especially in these days, for God's people not to neglect the assembling of themselves together. When you miss a meeting, you miss something. You miss something. If you go with your heart to meet the Savior, friend, if you mean business, God's going to meet you. He'll meet your need. You see, well, I don't like some of the folk in my church. So what? When God gets through with, gets through with them, they're going to be just like his son. And when God gets through with you, you're going to be just like his son. In the meantime, let's enjoy each other's fellowship, manifest love one for the other, so that our hearts will be filled with that peace and that joy and that satisfaction that comes from knowing the Savior and being with his people. Now, the chapter ends, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Or should I... Shall I make the statement that when John wrote the gospel, he deliberately just picked out certain signs to prove something? Remember, the great question in John's gospel was, or is, is this Jesus of Nazareth, God manifest in the flesh? And all the way through, he proves this. He proves his claims by what he did. You remember our Lord said in John 14, 11, uh, Believe me, I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. Or else, believe me for the very work's sake. And may I refresh your memory when I say you have seven signs in the gospel through John uh, before his resurrection. 
You have three signs that have to do with creation. He turns water into wine. He feeds the multitude. He stills the storm. You have three miracles with healing, concerning healing. You have the nobleman's son in chapter 4. Chapter 4. He didn't even go to see the boy. He just said to the father, go home. He's made well. Chapter 5. A man 38 years infirmed. And he healed him by just saying a word. Take up your bed and walk. And then the, the third one, he opened the eyes of a man born blind in chapter 9. Only case on record of a man born blind having his eyes open. Then you have the seventh one in chapter 11 where he raised Lazarus from the dead, a man who had been in corruption four days. Now when we come to chapter 20, these last two, two verses, there are many other things that Jesus did which are not written in his gospel through John. But these are written for the what purpose? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. And when you speak of the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, I'm reminded of that, those two verses in 1 John chapter 5. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. The question is raised at the end of chapter 4 of the epistle, who are the children of God? Who are the children of God? Who is my brother? Everyone who confesseth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's his work. And then about four and fifth verse of that same chapter, who is he that overcometh the world but he that confesseth that Jesus is the Son of God? That's his person. So you have in this verse, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name, eternal life, everlasting life. Or if I may go back to chapter 6, it's satisfying life. It's eternal life. It's resurrection life. It's indwelling life. Or chapter 10, I am come that they might have life and they might have it abundantly. Or chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Or in chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now in chapter 20, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, his person and his work, and that believing you might have life through his name. May I remind you again in chapter 5, our Lord claimed authority to give life, that he was the source of life. In him is life. You find that in chapter 1, verse 4. The theme of the book of John, in Christ is life. To have Christ means life. To be joined to Christ means life. Not to be joined to him, not to be related to him. By simple faith, there's nothing left but death. He's light, and when I accept him, I'm taken out of darkness into light. If I reject him, I stay in the darkness. Just that simple, friend. It's just that real, just that real. Now, I'm not talking about theory. I'm talking about a real positive fact. God has made the provision. The eternal living God has communicated to you through his word by the Spirit of God that in Jesus Christ there is life, and to have him means life abundant. It means the forgiveness of sins. 
It means being fitted for the presence of God. Now we come to chapter 21, the last chapter in the Gospel through John, and here we have our Lord revealed as the great and chief shepherd of his people. Now here you have the only post-resurrection miracle in chapter 21 of John. Let me read the first few verses. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, that is, Sea of Galilee, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and two others of his disciples. That was seven of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, well, okay, we'll go along with you. So they went forth, entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any meat, or have you caught anything? And they said, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. No question about it. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fishes coat about him, and he cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish lay thereon, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all that, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus said to them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and the fish likewise. This is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was raised from the dead. Now here is we have um, the story of a miraculous draft of fishes right after resurrection. And he manifested himself to these disciples and he had a definite purpose in view. Now here in this chapter, as I said, we have our Lord revealed as the great and chief shepherd of his people. Now, in the first 14 verses, which I've just read, we've had the story of the, of the miraculous draft of fishes. You remember in Luke chapter 5, uh, we had another case where the Lord uh, performed the miracle of the draft of fishes. And Peter is the central figure in both these stories. And success came through obedience. Will you please notice? A harvest is guaranteed by Jesus. In chapter 5 of Luke, they cast your net on the right side. But now they've been fishing all night, caught nothing. Chances are they did cast on this side and that side. He said, launch into the deep, let down your nets for a draft. Well, it's the last place to get fish. Peter could have said, Lord, I'm a commercial fisherman. I've lived all my life on this lake. I know all about fishing. It's no use going into the middle of the lake to get fish at this time of the day. But he obeyed. He said, nevertheless, at thy word, we will let down the net. And you remember 
They had a, a, a miraculous draft of fishes, so much so that they had to call their friends to come and help them gather up the fish. So you have it here again, obedience to the word of Christ brought a harvest. May I say that's true now? When you and I are obedient to the Savior, you can guarantee he will do exactly what he says he'll do. He said to them, let down your nets for a draft. In this passage, he said, uh, throw your net on the right side. Chances are they'd been doing that all night too. But they obeyed. They got the fish. Oh, that God put into your heart and my heart to be, sim to be ob simply obedient to what he has to say. And these men who were commercial fishermen could have argued with Christ all night and all day. They didn't. They didn't argue. They didn't question. They just simply obeyed. God, give us Christians today who will be obedient to his word. And may I remind you of John chapter 14, 21 and 23 again. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. If a man love me, he will keep my word. Obedience is the measure of our love for Christ. Now let's look at the story. You remember the women had told them to go into Galilee and the Lord would meet them in Galilee. Now here you have them in Galilee and they're waiting. They obeyed. The Lord says, I'll meet you in Galilee, but the Lord isn't there. So they're waiting. And here's a lake and here's a boat and here's some nets. It's perfectly normal for these men to say, well, no, he's sitting around. Let's go out and catch some fish. See, you remember in John, in Matthew chapter 3, the Lord had said, follow me and you'll catch men alive. Same thing in Luke chapter chapter 5. Follow me, and you'll catch men alive. Not just fish out of the sea, but real men and women. I said a while ago, this is the only post-resurrection miracle we have on the record. And you notice there was an exact number of fish, 153, if I remember correctly, 153 fish. I like Peter, don't you? Fished all night and caught nothing. I know something about that. I fished all day and caught nothing. And believe me, after you've been fishing all day, you're right, eat the boat and the bait and everybody else. You're just so hungry. The Lord understood that. I kind of like the Lord how he does it. His marvelous care for his own. He had a fire going. They were hungry. And he says, bring your fish. And when they got to land, Peter went and got the fish. And Jesus said, come and dine. He never said a word, just come on and dine. Until their tummies were full, you've got nothing else to be said. Oh, how the Lord takes care of his own. How thoughtful, how understanding. Here's a fire ready. Here's a breakfast ready. And the Lord Jesus waited on them. He gave them the fish and so on. He gave them their breakfast. They were cold, possibly, discouraged and hungry. And, and, and the Lord just waits for them. Have you any meat? No. Cast your net on the right side. And I can just see, I can just see John nudging Peter and say, Peter, there's the Lord. It's the Lord. And Peter jumped in the, in the lake and made for land. You know, I just like Peter. Oh, the fellowship. Seven men and their Lord sitting round a fire. There's no storm. The multitudes are not there. And he just has these seven men by themselves. 
and they're with him again. They see him, they hear him, they eat in his presence. My, what peace, what fellowship. I tell you, no wonder, no wonder Peter could say afterwards in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And you know, the Lord is ready to meet our needs right now. You see, Mr. Mitchell, I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and nothing happens. Yes? But you know, the, the psalmist could say, the ear of the Lord is open to the cry of the righteous. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth them, and the Lord delivereth them out of all their troubles. But you notice, the Lord is always on time. You see, we want the Lord to hurry up. Sometimes when I see conditions in the world today, for example, I see the chaos and the fear, the uncertainty, the breaking down of character, the breaking down of morals, the breaking down of standards, the growing opposition to the gospel. One could pick up a many, many things that would discourage us. And I feel like saying, Lord, hurry up, hurry up. No, the Lord was born at the right time. As Galatians chapter 4 says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. He died at the right time. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He's going to come for his people at the exact time. He's not going to be a minute late. And may I say, he's not going to be a minute ahead of time. You see, friend, the Lord is on the throne. And he's more desirous to meet your need than you are to have your need met. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's able to succor you and me. He's able to understand us. He's the only one who does that. And he loves you. And I can just say, dear old Peter, coming forward to the fire, and he saw the Lord, and the Lord said, bring some of the fish, and they brought the fish. And uh, Peter brought them, and the Lord Jesus says, come and dine. And the Lord then cometh, and the Lord took the bread, and he took the fish, and he waited on them and fed them. Can you ever stop to think of that? The eternal Son of God, who died to put away our sins, the one who was the source of all life, the one who was Lord of lords and King of kings, on the throne of the eternal God, waiting on men, giving them their breakfast. You see, Mr. Mitchell, I would like to have been there. Brother, wouldn't I like to have been there? But listen, you can have the same fellowship. You know, just a few of you get together. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a teacher. If you love the Savior, just get together and talk about Him. Just talk about Him. And then talk to Him. And let Him talk to you through His Word. But make Him the center. These men would sit round the fire wondering, Here's the risen Lord. And when He came with the bread and the fish, they saw the holes in His hands. It was still their Savior. He was their Lord. He was their God. Hadn't Thomas said, my Lord and my God? And now here's Thomas again with Peter 
James and John and the rest, and they meet the Savior. I say how I love the fact that the Lord Jesus is willing, absolutely willing to come right where you are, meet your own personal need. Believe me, my friend, he's a wonderful Savior. He's a glorious Lord, and he loves the weakest of his children. So I say to you today, if you don't know the Savior, why don't you accept him? For the Bible says, to as many as received him, receive him into your life, into your heart, the object of your faith. Make him the object of your devotion. Gives you the right to be called the children of one who is God. And those of you who have accepted the Savior, why don't you take the word of God and revel in the presence of him who loved us, gave himself for us. Now may the Lord bless you today. And may the Lord speak to your heart and to my heart as again we open up the precious word of God. The Lord bless you. Praise the Lord, He never changes, He's never any other way, and He'll be the same tomorrow as He was and is today. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at town.